Today we read from Psalm 80. Restore us, O God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. It set out its branches to the sea and its shoots to the river. Why then have you broken down its walls so that all who pass along the way pluck its fruit? The boar from the forest ravages it, and all that move in the field feed on it. Turn again, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven and see. Have regard for this vine, the stock that your right hand planted, and for the son whom you made strong for yourself. They have burned it with fire. They have cut it down. May they perish at the rebuke of your face. But let your hand be on the man of your right hand, the son of man whom you have made strong for yourself. Then we shall not turn back from you. Give us life, and we will call upon your name. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. Amen. Thank you, David. Well, good morning. Got a little bit of a time issue. What what time do you guys have over here? Do you have? 11, 11, 20, 10, 10 to 12? Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I know where you live. <laughs> what, what time do you got? Sit. You got a watch? 11, 15? 17? We got, we got the wrong time. I don't know what is going on. Let's seek the Lord for what time it is. Hosea 10, verse 12. Let's turn there. Maybe God will give us the answer. Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap the fruit of unfailing love. And break up your unplowed ground. Here's the time. For it is time to seek the Lord until He comes and showers righteousness upon you. It is time to seek the Lord. What I want us to do is take out your phones, take out your watches, and let's adjust that to seek the Lord time. If you'll do that quickly. And that way, every time someone asks you, what time is it? You say, it's time to seek the Lord. And so let me ask you, what time is it? No, it's time to pray. Let's pray. Father, we uh, earnestly desire to seek you this morning. Seek your face, seek your life, your truth. We desire to to draw near and, Father, uh, 
Forgive us when we wander away. Forgive us when we sin against you. Thank you that you forgive us our sin and that we can live in righteousness. And so, Father, this morning I pray that your Holy Spirit will come upon us, will fill us full of your life, will minister to us, will remind us of who we're meant to be in you, and will remind us to seek you, Father, in all of our ways. In your precious name, amen. I had David read uh, Psalm 80 because it's a, it's a beautiful psalm about what Israel was intended to be. This, this beautiful vine that God had prepared the land and, and the root went deep into the soil and they were to spread out across the land and they were to be this shade to provide rest. They were to be abundance and fruitful and blessing and to reflect the image of God and His provision and who He was and in His love. They were to be the vine. And yet they, they wandered away and, and they started to live their own lives and then the vine was broken. And so the psalmist cries out, Oh God, we don't want to be in this place where we're broken. Restore us. Revive us. The psalmist repents before God. Renew us. Save us. Oh God. We want to be the people that you intended us to be. This beautiful vine that would pour out. A vine that reflects your beautiful holiness. You see, God is a holy God and he calls people to to live in righteousness. In all of Hosea, we're seeing his holiness pour out. He's a God of covenant, covenant relationships. A binding that cannot be broken. And he calls us into covenant with him. We break relationship with him. We break relationship with people. But he continues to pursue us with righteous judgment and as he deals with our sin. And he always desires to draw us back, to restore us again into relationship with him when we wander away like the people of Israel have. And like we end up sometimes. It's like a husband going after his wayward wife. Longing for that marriage to be restored. That's what Hosea is pointing us towards. As we look at the beginning of Hosea, it says this. Israel was a spreading vine. Again, that's what you're meant to be. But as all this blessing was coming upon you, he brought forth fruit for himself. And as his fruit increased, he built more altars, and his land prospered. He adorned his sacred stones. His heart is deceitful. And now they must bear their guilt. The Lord will demolish their altars, and he will destroy their sacred stones. You see, what was happening is God was blessing Israel with all kinds of abundance, with with even military strength, with, with uh, all kinds of his beauty in life. And as they were receiving God's abundance, came straight from him, they were using all of that to worship idols, other gods, to build up more altars, to take everything that they were receiving and now to use it in ways that defiled who God was. 
these sacred places that were meant for God alone. They were living a life and taking, again, all of God's provision, and it was becoming corrupt. Abundance can do that to us, can't it? We receive all kinds of beautiful things from God. We receive that paycheck. And then we just kind of do whatever we want with it. I think every time we receive our paycheck, we look at our clocks that have been set to, it's time to seek the Lord. God, what do you have for me with this paycheck, with this money of mine that for some reason I think is mine? I continue to have this this belief that this is my money. But God, as you've given me this paycheck, your abundance into my life, what would you have me do with this? It's time to seek the Lord. Abundance is one of those things that can draw us away. We just live in the flesh. We want what we want and we do what we do. And we're being drawn away from him. Israel and God's abundance was building other altars. They were bringing forth fruit for themselves. They increased their altars. And they weren't seeking after God. It's time to stop serving two masters. Remember we talked last week. Last week, Israel isn't, isn't just going off and running away from God and having nothing to do with God. Basically what they want is they want both. They want to, to worship God, and yet they want to worship all these other idols. We want to have both life. We want to you know, make sure, we, yeah, we got God covered, but then let's make sure you know, so that we receive rain and all kinds of other, but let's you know, check in with this other God here. And in this case, this, the, this, these calves, they would have these calves as their idols built on their altars. And so they're looking to fulfill and, and serve two gods. It's time to stop serving two masters and to seek God alone. God says, I'm going to break down those altars. Your heart is divided. It's, it has the idea of um, your heart is uh, smooth or, or flattering. And I think, I think he's bringing out, Hosea is bringing out the idea of, of the adulterous spouse, in this case, Gomer. Listen, you, you are bringing to me these smooth or flattering words. You, you, like an adulterous spouse, you're saying, oh, I love you so much, but I'm going to go sleep with this one over here. You're bringing this. You're serving two masters. Your, your words are, are flattering, yet you're, you're dying inside and you're going after two gods. And it's not what God has for us and for His people who are meant to serve God alone. There shall be no other gods before me. And to seek after Him. Their hearts divided, living a lie. And he says he will break down their altars now. God is going to do in judgment what really people of Israel and what you and I in a contrite heart, in a broken heart, should be doing. We develop idols and through the power of the Holy Spirit we should recognize those things and tear those things out of our lives. And yet instead of us doing it, 
we keep going after it and God is saying, I'm going to take, I'm going to strip those away. They are going to be broken down. Because you understand, you're my bride. You can't, you can't be with another. I'm a God of covenant. We are in covenant together. I'm going to do whatever it takes to draw you back unto myself. And so he's doing this with Israel and he teaches us and he works with us. And some of that comes in strong judgment, dealing with sin in our lives. What's God doing? How is he dealing with Israel, with us? Look at verse 3. For now we will say we have no king, for we do not fear the Lord. And a king, what could he do for us? They utter mere words, and with empty oaths they make covenants. And so judgments, or lawsuits, spring up like poisonous weeds in the furrows of the field. What time is it? It's time to stop lying. And it's time to seek the Lord and His truth. Israel was becoming a nation that was filled with lies. They're making all these oaths, these covenants with one another. And yet while they're doing it, they say, I promise to do this and we will, we will honor this and their fingers are crossed behind their backs. They didn't intend to keep the covenant, to keep the oath. And so they were becoming a nation that was being filled with lawsuits against one another. They were springing up. Nobody trusted anybody. There was nobody of integrity anymore. I found a, a recent study on the amount of money spent on uh, civil cases and tort cases in the United States. Fifteen million civil cases are filed annually in the United States. Now let me remind you of something about the United States. Uh, we are a nation under God, supposedly. We are a Christian nation, supposedly. Yet, we file the most lawsuits of anybody in the world. There's no trust. There's absolute fighting all the time. United States, $251 billion in lawsuits. <laughs> the thing, at first you go, well, is that a lot of money? I mean, it's a lot of money, but is that a lot of money comparatively? Well, Italy does $27 billion a year. We do 251 billion, they do 27. Spain does 9.5 billion. Japan, 36 billion in lawsuits. You're becoming a nation. You're becoming a people, Israel. You, you were meant to be a vine that was to spread out, to reflect God, to, to show His love, to minister the truth that we know of who God is. You're to be this abundant vine to bring life. And now it's bringing nothing but death. You're lying. You're not keeping your oaths. You're not telling truths. You're breaking all of that. And that's the reflection that's going out of who God is. What's the saying of God? God's a liar. But as we know in Scripture, who's the great liar? The enemy himself, the great deceiver, Satan. They weren't reflecting in any way who God is and his character. And he's going to break that down. 
He's going to have judgment upon that. You're not being what you're intended to be. I have so much life for you. And you're wandering away and you're running away and you're rebelling against me. I need to deal with that because I love you and I want life with you. And they were living lies and they weren't seeking truth. It's time to seek truth. The scriptures go on. The inhabitants of Samaria tremble. This is verse 5. The calf of Bethaven, for the calf of Bethaven. Its people mourn for it, and so do its idolatrous priests. Those who rejoiced over it and over its glory, for it has departed from them. This thing itself, this calf, shall be carried over to Assyria, and it will be a tribute to the great king there. Ephraim will be put to shame. Israel shall be ashamed of his idol. What time is it? It's time to stop milking the cow. It's time to stop milking the cow. They were looking for life in this cow, in this idol calf. And it's time to seek the Lord and receive spiritual nourishment and life from Him. Now, first of all, Bethel. Bethel was this place that Jacob met with God. Bethel was this wonderful place. Do you remember the vision he had of a ladder coming out of heaven? God met Jacob right there. when he, He's running, he's in fear, he's needing God, and God met him right there. Bethel, house of God, has now become Beth Haven. That's a, a place now of destruction. It's a place now of iniquity. The house of iniquity has now become that. Wait a second. Bethel, this place where you're to come and to meet with God and enjoy all of His abundance and His life and to worship Him there has now become this house of iniquity. These altars are going to be torn down. How have you gotten so far off, people? from this marriage relationship with your God who loves you. Gomer, Israel, us, why do we seek after other lovers? Why are we worshiping these other idols? We, we're coming up to this, to this idol made out of wood and metal, and we're like, give, Betsy, give! The baby's got to live! You know, produce something! And it's nothing but death. And they're looking for life. Somehow that calf should bring me life. God is not enough. I've got to worship both. What about a contrite heart asking God to forgive our sinful ways? But they're crying over the cow. And in verses 7 through 10 of this chapter, we see all the consequence. Everything's going to happen. That It says the king's going to float away like a twig on the surface of waters, verse 7. It has the idea, you, you see a twig on, on the waters, the waves that come up. It's just thrown about everywhere. It has no direction. It has no control. It's just tossed to and fro. There's going to be great destruction. You're going to suffer like Gibeah. Gibeah, who, who did that incredible atrocity in, in their hometown and 
all of a sudden there was great judgment on the tribe of Benjamin for their atrocity. You're not going to escape that judgment like Gibeah. There's going to be an incredible suffering and there's going to be incredible judgment and punishment upon the nations because of your sin and because of your wandering away from God, going after other lovers. Come back. Come back. I'm going to break down those idols. You know, we, we read these scriptures, these Old Testament scriptures, thousands of years ago, and, and all these worshiping at these altars of calves. And, and quite honestly, you end up going, well, thank, thank the Lord. Thank the Lord we don't have these issues today. Thank the Lord we don't have idols like this today in our lives. Those, those things that draw us our attention, that grab our hearts, idols that grab all of our time. Idols, the things that we look to for satisfaction rather than loving our God. I mean, truly, praise, praise the Lord that we don't have idols today because God has really done a good work in us and, and, and because we're improving as a culture that we don't have idol worship. And I'm so thankful that in no way whatsoever do I look to other things and use my time towards an idol. This is just my baby idol. I have a much bigger one at home. I bought it one day, walked into the store, and there it was calling my name. It was just before the Super Bowl. And no, I didn't seek the Lord. I just knew I had to have it. So I got my bigger idol. It sits on my mantle at home. Do we worship idols? Do we look to things for satisfaction, for life, for teaching us? Thank you, O idol, for teaching me how to buy a new home, house hunters. Thank you for showing me that I need a new house and I've got to pick one of these three. (laughs) And it's going to be a tough decision, but I'm going to go with number two. Thank you, O bachelorette, for teaching me how to have relationship. I look to you to know how to come into good relationship. So thank you. Thank you, Andy, for teaching me this year. I'm so glad you picked Josh over Nick because Nick wouldn't have been good for you. You showed me the way. Thank you. All the time, all the energy, all the learning that we're soaking in from these little idols that we have. Some are very big. Barna, who does great research on television and just our hours of TV, he said every day, 75% of us turn on our TVs. Every day. 75% of us. He says 30% of us watch five hours or more per day. And the thing that was interesting in his study, he said, the thing that we found interesting, Barna said, was that Christians 
are watching much more TV than non-Christians. They're just engaged in TV, and they're, they're watching more and more. Now, I'm going to be real honest with you. I enjoy TV as much as, as the next guy. But I think one of the questions that, that we need to ask is, how are we using our time seeking our Lord? You know, are, are we using TV uh, just to escape, to go brain dead, instead of seeking our Lord, going, God, help, my life is really hard right now. How are we using our time unto him? You know, I think if we're real honest, we go, man, there's a, there's a lot of us who are worshipers of the big screen TV. You know, I see you guys at Costco at the entrance. I'm right there bowing down with you. Oh, 70-inch Samsung Savior TV. Love that TV. It's big. But in God's economy, as we think about the Lord in our lives, and we think about seeking the Lord, in His economy, you think about what, what a waste of, of precious time, of precious life, meant to be the vine, spreading out, being life to others. I'm not here to jam you up on your TV habits. But we do have to evaluate, I think, I think we know we're becoming like Israel if this happens. If one of the spouses says to you, Hey, honey, I think it's time we get rid of cable TV. And your spouse starts to cry. (laughs) I think that's when you know I am worshiping the cow. The cow, but the cable TV, but we need the cable TV. What's going to happen to us? Israel's mourning over the calf. Over this idol that brings nothing to them. And they're, they're crying over it. That it's going to be taken away from them. And now they're going to be put to shame as it's going to be brought to the king of Assyria as a tribute unto him. Yet they were looking to life and so their hearts are broken over the cow. Life is meant to be filled with His abundance. We are to seek the Lord and seek His abundance. What time is it? It's, it's time to stop wasting time. Bill Watterson said this, There's never enough time to do all the nothing you want. We're just wasting time. We want to do a whole lot of nothing. And God's saying, Don't you know who I intended you to be? Don't you know the life I have for you? And yet you're seeking after idols. You're sinning against me. You're going against me. And I have all of this abundance for you. And I've given you this this God-given amount of time that's very precious. And you're just wasting it on these idols that draw our attention. God has incredible purpose for us. His incredible desire that we know Him on a deeper level, that we fall in love with Him more. He has a desire that we have relationship with Him because He's going to deal with our sin problem. And because He wants that relationship, He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross. 
for our sin. Holy God, sinful people, we can only come into the presence of holy God through His Son, Jesus Christ, who's taken care of our sin as we believe upon Him. We're given new life, resurrected life. We're not looking at the cow for life. And so He's wanting us to draw near like Hosea going after Gomer. Oh, these other idols, these other lovers are not what I have for you. And he will. He deals with our sin. And he does it with righteous judgment. Keeps reminding us of the covenant that he has with us. You know, I love, I love, I love these beautiful marriages that are married 50 plus years. Here's what I see in a lot of these marriages 50 plus years. You know what? They've gone through a lot of this. Over all these years, there's times where they haven't really liked each other too much. But then they keep drawing near to each other because, because of their covenant of marriage. And they keep, they keep wanting to love each other better. And even at sometimes they've, they've walked away from each other, but then they've come back and they're holding on. And, and they're, they're starting now in their, in their years of marriage to really love one another, have real intimacy, deep knowledge of each other. They're starting to serve each other in the most beautiful way. And their marriage is reflecting Christ like never before. This covenant that God has given. Ephesians 5, you're the bride, I'm the bridegroom. And these marriages that reflect that. And God's saying, this is what I have for you. I have this beautiful marriage. Why are you getting divorced at 20 years? Don't you know I have so much more life for you in this covenant of marriage? Don't you know what's going to come of this? I know right now there's this. I know right now there's sin and brokenness, but let's draw near to each other and maintain the covenant because I have so much more. Wait till you see how good this marriage gets. And we throw it all away. God's wanting us back. I have so much for life for you. In these next verses, God reminds His people in 11 and 12. He reminds His people of who they're meant to be. This beautiful marriage covenant and what this relationship with God is to look like and how God values them and loves them. He says, Ephraim was a trained calf that loved to thresh and I spared her fair neck. But I will put Ephraim to the yoke, and Judah must plow, and Jacob must harrow for himself. You see, this initial part is actually a beautiful thing. It's a, it's a farmer. It's a farmer who has this, this, this young cow, not the calf that you go worship at the idol, but a, a real physical cow. And, and this young cow is cherished by the farmer and it's, and it's lovingly trained like Israel was, trained in truth, trained in righteousness. And, and look what the Scripture says. It says, oh, you, you love to thresh. You love to do the threshing of the grain. That's what you're intended to do. Your fair neck, I, I spared that heavy yoke. You were trained in righteousness and you would thresh. My yoke is light, Jesus says, right? And so, Israel, you were like this, this wonderful, loved cow that w- would 
do exactly and serve exactly how you were intended to serve. Loving, threshing out the grain, being trained in the truths and the word of God. But you rejected that. And so now the yoke is heavy. And you will stomp out hard ground. And really the heavy yoke now is going to become Assyria that's going to put a heavy hand upon them. Oh, but you were intended to enjoy service unto God. What time is it? It's time to serve God. Not only to return, but to serve Him. Because He's your one and only God. There's nobody else here to serve. And, and look what it says here. You love to thresh the grain. Do you understand in our service to our Lord that there's really a joy in that. When we're obedient unto God, when we are serving Him with our heart, when we are living to please God and and living in righteousness, oh, it brings joy to us. It brings life. It's not this burden. But Israel rejected that. And some of us have as well. And God's saying, come back. Come back. I have so much more for life. Do you understand who you're intended to be? And you keep wandering away. And now drawing into, I just think, the most beautiful verse of this whole chapter and reminding us of what God has for us. Yeah, we're going to deal with the consequence of sin, yes. But God is a God who forgives a repentant heart. And He's a God who is going to restore us as we draw near to Him as we look to him for life. Look at verse 12. Verse 12 says this. Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap the fruit of unfailing love. Break up your unplowed ground. You know, again, these hearts, these hearts that are hard, it's like time to break that up. Be repentant. Let God's love just flow into your heart. For it is time to seek the Lord until He comes and showers righteousness on you. That's what He desires for us. Hearts that would be broken and contrite and that the the soil would be soft to receive God's love into our lives. It's time to seek the Lord. It has a real sense of urgency in it that every minute matters, that now is the time to seek the Lord. There's a watch that was invented. It's called the ticker wristwatch. And this wristwatch, it has uh, this dot matrix system, and it's all based on algorithms. But what it does is, uh, it came out April 2014. What it does is, is it counts backwards your lifespan. It has an algorithm system that plugged in like the government does life expectancy. So you punch in all these numbers based on kind of your lifestyle and what's going on. And then it will give you how many days you have left on this planet. And it counts backwards. And, it, and the numbers go down this black hole on your screen. And so you look at this thing. And it sounds pretty morbid. It's kind of a grim reaper. But 
The 37-year-old Swede, his name's Frederick Colting. Here's what he says, and I appreciate what he says about why he made this watch. He says, I invented this gadget not as a, not as a morbid novelty item, but as an earnest attempt to change my own thinking. Colting was a, he was a former grave digger uh, in life. And he said this, The occurrence of death is no surprise to anyone. But in our modern society, we rarely talk about it. I think that if we were more aware of our own expiration, I'm sure we'd make better choices while we're alive. And that's why he calls the ticker the happiness watch. It's his belief that while you're watching your life slip away, it will remind you to savor life while you have it to value every moment. It's time to seek the Lord. Every moment, you know, we, we, think, we think our time is our own. It's time to seek the Lord. He's drawing us near unto himself. You see, when our hearts stay tough and, and the ground is tough and when we sow to the flesh and we, we reap the consequence of sin... And God in Hosea, and it continues to speak to us, there's, there's warning there. Judgment is coming. And we're sitting here and we're living this life of sin and, and, and all of a sudden things are happening all around us and we go, wait, what, what's this all about? All this time that I've wasted for myself and seeking other gods, how, how all of a sudden is this coming all about? How did it get so late so soon? It's night before it's afternoon. December is here before it's June. My goodness, how the time has flown. How did it get so late so soon? Time is wasting away, Dr. Seuss says. How did it get so late so soon? Because we're wasting time. Time is a precious gift from God. And all of our time, which is His, should be spent, spent seeking the Lord. Jorge Borges said this, being with you and not being with you is the only way I have to measure time. It's time to seek the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I, again, I just pray for us. We desire to seek you, to know your face. We want to be revived again, restored, renewed. And so, Father, as a body together, we repent and we thank you that you are quick to forgive. Would you renew us today? Thank you that you've saved us and that you've given us life. And Father, may we be a body of Christ that's this beautiful spreading vine full of the abundance of you. May we be a blessing. May we live out what we're intended to be, I pray. In your precious name, amen.